Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, Sorry, having a technical problem here. So if you are texting me, I'm not getting it. Sending me a picture or something like that. I am not getting it. The system that does that is down. Don't know why. We don't own it. Uh, Something will fix it, but I don't have it working at the particular moment. Welcome to Gardening Naturally. Welcome back to, if you've already been listening, pretty good week coming up. Now, pretty good meaning not... 70-degree days and, uh, you know, 60-degree evenings. What we're talking about is rain. Starting today, later in the day, we should start to see rain falling. Maybe uh, just a little bit. But by the end of the week, depending on where you are in central Texas, you could see two to three inches or more rain. Fortunately, it looks like it's falling in the right spot. What does that mean? Isn't all rain good? Yes and no. We have what's called watersheds. When it rains, the water runs off into certain areas, streams, creeks, winds up filling the lakes up. The rain right now is going to be going into lower watersheds, which is fine. That's Ladybird Lake type watersheds. That's downstream into Bastrop. The problem is we needed to fill the upper watersheds. Like heavy rain in San Saba would be great. Not necessarily for the people who live in San Saba, but it will fill the reservoirs and the upper lakes for us. And that's what we need to see. We have really, really knocked down the amount of water that is in the reservoirs. Now, granted, your water companies are telling you, we're, we're not doing water restrictions. Okay. We don't need anywhere near as much water for our landscape right now because it's cooler and there's not that kind of demand on our plants. But the short story is still, we need to fill the reservoirs. We need to fill the lakes. That's where our drinking water comes from. And the lakes are like only uh, are down to be um, almost only half full. That's kind of scary. If we wind up in another drought, it, well, what do you mean another drought? We haven't gotten out of this drought. We are still dealing with this drought being a problem for us. We need to get out of it, and the only way to do so is rain. And it looks pretty promising. 
that we're going to get some rain. It would be really nice if it was in San Saba or Lampasas because that will run downstream. That will fill up the reservoir. That will fill up the lakes. It looks like the heavy rain is actually going to be to the east of Austin. They need the rain there, too. But it would sure be nice to get it to fill the aquifers. Now, we look like we may get some decent rain. They're not calling out for flash flood warnings yet, though you know that's what happens. When you have such dry soil, it takes a while for it to absorb the water, but there's a limit. And if it's raining and the soil is already saturated, that's where we get flash flooding because the water will run off. Um, we'll take the rain. Rain is rain. Every single drop of it is worthwhile. But it would really be nice if we could kind of tweak it to get it to rain where we really, really need it. They're estimating that we can get two to four inches in the Austin area. Man, I could sure use those two inches. I'm sure you could too. I'm sure you would like to see those extra inches of rain. Being cooler weather is good. We don't have quite the demand for water in the first place, so rain really, really helps. The problem is be prepared for this. What I mean by that is when the weather is cooler, plants don't require as much water. However, we're going to get a lot of rain, probably more water than the plants need. So you will see a lot of yellowing. Don't be surprised. It is completely normal. It can be an indicator that the plant has more water available to it than it needs. What happens is the water is literally drowning the soil biology. And the soil biology is what converts nutrients into the forms that the plants need. So basically, uh, we're kind of starving the plant because we gave it too much water. The soil has to have water in it, but believe it or not, it also has to have oxygen in it. The soil biology won't exist if it can't get oxygen, just like you. If we suddenly cut off your oxygen, you're going to have some problems. So... What happens is that soil biology gets slowed down, gets reduced, and it's not producing the nutrients the plant needs, converting them to the form that the plant can use, 
And guess what? The plant's missing out on something it needs. And it's going to show you by turning kind of yellow. It is not dying. It will be just fine as soon as we get back to that balance in the soil of the proper amount of water and oxygen. And that may take a little bit for the uh, soil to dry back out so that biology can reproduce and get back to work. You do this, you can show this real easily as an example in a, in a container. You over water a container and what happens? You start seeing the plant in the container turning yellow. Pretty common. It really, the best environment, especially here in Central Texas because of what our native plants are, is to get a good soaking and let it go to almost dry before getting water again. If we could get on that cycle, man, the plants would look so good. They would be nice and rich and green and happy. Right now, we're just begging for the water because we need it. Be prepared. Your plants may not look the best, and that's not a bad thing. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Listen, we're kind of lying to you there. When we say we're, we'll take your text message, right now we can't. The text messaging system is not working. They're, it's obvious the people who run it are trying to fix it, but they haven't made it there yet. So I'm not receiving any text messages. Sorry. No pictures, unfortunately, are, are coming in. Um, apologize uh, for that, but uh, we don't control the text company and uh, I definitely don't make the decisions for the station, so apologize. Um, gonna be a decent day today outside. We're especially looking forward to getting some rain. Really, really need it. Um, cooler weather means we don't need as much water. That doesn't mean we don't need to refill the lakes and the aquifers. It'd be nice to not have as much demand, but it would also be nice to have the reserve if we needed it. So we're gonna take the rain as we can get it. It is hopefully not gonna be uh, disastrous. You know what I mean? We don't need flash flood warnings. As for your landscape and garden, things like that, at this point, after a hard freeze, the trees that should drop their leaves probably have done so. 
that means when we get the rain, you're going to have trees with naked branches, and that may actually help prevent some damage if we're getting high wind. Without the leaves on there, there's not as much for the tree to provide as resistance. So maybe we won't be looking at broken branches. That would be great. That would be the thing that we would want. So timing is good. They're talking about maybe some storm. So with with this point in the year, and after those freezes, I'm betting you don't have many leaves on your trees, right? I mean, I have evergreen trees. I have this beautiful canby oak. It never loses its leaves. I mean, it, it does. It replaces old leaves with new ones, but it's always got leaves on it. It looks, it looks really pretty. But everything else I have, crepe myrtles, pear tree, plum trees. Um, I have a, a black cherry, chinkapin. They are all naked. My bur oak has shed all of its leaves. Wafer ash, they're all naked. So I'm hoping that we're not... I'm hoping they don't have to worry that if it storms, that I don't have to look at broken branches. That's always great. That is always great. During the freeze apocalypse, I lost uh, one, two, huh, three. We lost four trees minimum really disappointing. So if they're going to be naked now, that means that it's less likely that storms are going to damage them. Uh, somebody texted in, no, they called the, they called my producer and left a question. They didn't text in, sorry. Um, when will the greatest availability of fruit trees be at nurseries? Right now. Now, there is some seasonality here. We probably won't see a big rush of citrus till around April. But plums and peaches, they should be at the nurseries now. Persimmons, as in Japanese persimmons, the big orange fruit, they could be in many nurseries right now. Pomegranates may be just a little bit later, but I would not at all be surprised to go to a nursery and find them stocking pomegranates. Peaches, plums, apples, they should be at your nurseries right now because we want to get them in the ground and get them to start growing before we get into the terrible heat of summer. Most of our fruit trees will be available. Again, citrus, probably closer to April. Figs, um, 
you, there may be places with figs now, but figs are kind of going to show up for most of the year. They're a, they're a type of plant where it would be unusual to go to a nursery that sells fruit trees and suddenly they'd be out of figs. It happens because of demand or maybe the growers weren't able to produce a lot of them. But normally figs are pretty commonly available. This is also a time where you'll start to see, if they're not there already, blackberries, raspberries, and grapes. This is a good time to get them in the ground. They will, especially things like blackberries, they are an industrial fruit crop. Um, once you plant blackberries, be prepared to always have blackberries. If you plant them in an area where they can get full sun, they will begin fruiting. By the third year, you will be getting good, reliable, heavy fruiting. Relatively disease-free, and there's a lot of varieties when it comes to the size and sweetness of the fruit. Blackberries are great. Blackberries and Texas go together. Citrus, if you get citrus, it'll show up in April because citrus has low cold tolerance. There are some varieties of citrus that you, you let them be out in a freeze and you're killing them. There are other varieties of citrus that do really well to pretty cold temperatures, maybe down to 15 degrees. But the growers are going to be holding on to them or haven't shipped them out yet because no nursery wants to keep plants that are not cold hardy, that can't handle the freeze right now because they got to put them somewhere to keep them warm. So you will see citrus showing up later in the year, after, at, hopefully after the uh, last frost, because then they can handle the weather. So call your nurseries. Whatever you were particularly looking for, call them and ask, do you have such and such? And they'll let you know if they do or they don't. It is not unusual for you to call one nursery and they won't have, I don't know, pomegranates. But another nursery may. So, yeah, you may have to make multiple stops to get all of the trees, fruit trees you were looking for. But between all of the nurseries in town, they have different selections. So don't assume that the first nursery you call says, I don't have any. That doesn't mean that they aren't available. It just means that that nursery doesn't have what you want. Let's see. Uh, Mark, I see you there. I don't have enough time left in this segment to answer your question. So if you can hold on. Uh, I'm going to take a break. Bottom of the hour is the news, and I will catch you on the other side. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. 
Um, hang on. We'll be back in just a minute. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Let's go to the phone. This is Mark. Mark, what can I help you with? Hi, Jeff. This is Mark in Fredericksburg. Yes, sir. What's up? It's been a while. Yeah, you you might remember... um, we're west of Fredericksburg in a low spot, and when it gets clear and calm, we get really cold down here. Right. Um, so at the end of the growing season, I had a, a giant bell pepper that was like four feet tall, loaded with peppers. And another thing, we had a – normally we, we cage our tomato plants, but we had one that volunteered, and we left it on the ground. So I put a frame over both of those and multiple layers of covers and a heat lamp, and they both survived even – we had seven degrees the other night. Well, so, the, and actually the tomato, even though it had no light for three days other than the heat lamp, it's green and growing and has blooms on it. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of, it, it appears that the incandescent or the heat lamp is, is actually working for the, for the foliage. It's, it's green still, which, does that make sense to you? That, it is possible. It yeah. is possible that the infrared lights is giving off frequencies of light that promote the growth on the plant. Um, Red light, the red light At three days with no light, I would assume it would be in really bad shape otherwise. Doesn't that make sense? No, not necessarily. You would be surprised how long a a plant can go without any sun. Now, it it starts to wear it out. There's no doubt about it. But I put... I put my citrus in the uh, garage with no light for a week, and it's oh. still going on. So, okay. Wow. Now, Some, tomatoes wh- and peppers, you know, are both perennial. So, yeah. Okay. So my, can, well, my question here, growing. The, the, the darn pepper plant is four feet tall, and it's a, a, a heck of a job protecting it <laughs> being that tall. So what happened when it got so cold? One of the two major stems froze, and it's, the, the leaves are all drooping. So in order to make it easier to try to sustain this thing, I was debating whether I can cut back the other stem. I mean, it, the other stem is, is still pretty – it looks a little bit thick, but, the, you know, it's, the leaves are mostly still there. It looks okay. Do you think I can chop that back and maybe take half the foliage off just to get it lower and make it easier to deal with? Yes. I've done, well, I haven't done that. Yeah. The rabbits have done that for me. Okay. I had a pepper growing. It got fairly good size. I came out one day, and they had chewed it in half. I hadn't protected it to keep the rabbits away. Wow. I, I protected it, and it came back. It put on new growth. So, yes, you can trim off the dead if needed, and you can cut it back size-wise because it's a perennial. Okay. The minute we start warming up, it should put on new growth for you. So you think maybe leave, try to leave at least half of the foliage on it? Um, you can trim it to the point where it's now convenient again to keep it covered. You okay. know as well as I do we're going to have another cold snap. Right, sure. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, in your opinion... Do you think it's going to be okay if I just keep it above 32, or should I try to keep it above, like, 40? What do you think? 
the pepper right. will do okay to keep above 32. The okay. tomato would be happier if you could get to 40. Right, right. Yeah. But it yeah. if it doesn't freeze, it'll stay alive. Okay. I had three layers of covers and two layers of silver bubble wrap over the tomato and a heat lamp. <laughs> and I had no clue what the temperature is, but I just started this cheap little remote thermometer with four sensors on Amazon, and I'm going to put a mm-hmm. sensor under each one of those so I'll know what the temperature is underneath it. <laughs> it'll be, I have a hand. to see that, yeah. Okay. I have a handful of those. Those are those are really useful. I don't have the remote. I I would have to lift up the cover and look at the numbers. Right. But I have those too, and that's the easy way to know what's going on under there. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had to do that m- many times. Like I forgot to plug in the lights under it, so it's like 28 degrees, and I'm trying to crawl under this cover and plug in the lights that are underneath it. <laughs> it kind of defeats the purpose of having it covered. You dump any anyway. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks. I'm glad. I'm glad I talked to you. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead and do that. A, a three foot plant will be a lot easier than a protecting a four foot tall plant. I can, and and especially when we had the 45 mile per hour wind gust, it was kind of dicey. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, and look look at it this way. You have a three foot tall pepper start. That's yeah. basically what you're looking at. This spring, you're way ahead of the game. Yeah. And and as you know, the the big peppers. We rarely get big peppers until they fall because it gets too hot too quick. And, right. And that, that, exactly. That, the, that's the reason I want to keep this big one going. Yeah, it, we should have peppers early in the spring if, it, yeah, if I can make it. Oh, yeah, I wish, I wish you luck because I get the problem you're discussing. I can get them to grow in spring but not produce well, and they right. don't produce well till fall. Yeah. But yeah. you got a head start. And, and and it's going to really be surprising too if this tomato actually sets fruit now. We'll see. I'll I'll call you in a I'll call you in a in a while after we pass the worst cold and let you know what happened. It'll be interesting. Yeah, just but you just made a good point there. It's been cold, but this ain't this ain't the worst. We still got cold coming. So if you're prepared for yeah. it, you're going to get ahead of everybody. We it's frozen here at least every other night for the last six weeks. So it's been, I've spent a heck of a lot of time covering it. Oh, another interesting. Okay, so get your opinion on this too. Spinach, spinach survives down to it survived the ice storm three years ago. But I'm trying to keep it above a certain temperature because it's it's not going to keep growing if it gets to 20 every night. I mean, the spinach will live, but it won't keep growing. So I'm trying to keep the spinach above 32 also, just because it's growing well. Does that make sense? Hello? I lost you. I lost you, Jeff. That's okay. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Mark, I'm sorry. <clears throat> we are I am having technical difficulties and accidentally got you kicked off. I I hope I got your questions. Um, I think it's particularly amazing that you have a pepper of the size you had. You said four foot tall, still growing, still holding peppers. Folks, remember, tomatoes and peppers are actually perennials. 
if it weren't for the fact that we're freezed, uh, that we get a freeze, they would grow year round. So if you can keep them from freezing, guess what? You can get a pretty big pepper or a tomato. Tomatoes are also perennials. So don't be surprised if you wind up protecting them and son of a gun, we come into spring and they're still growing. That's the best that you can come up with. Let's go to the phone. This is Charlie. Charlie, what can I help you with? Uh, yes, sir. Good morning. Uh, yes, sir. Ever since we had that horrible heat during the summer, my zoysia grass has, the backyard especially, has all these little tufts to them. And, of course, they made grass between them. So I tried to rake up all the thatch and everything else, but it's still very tufty. I just wondered what I could do. Okay. It's possible the tufts are weed. Uh, there is a there is a weed called uh, Poa annua. It's also known as annual bluegrass. It comes up. It has these little tufts in clumps. And the thing is, it's called a bluegrass, but it won't survive the heat. Now you can pull them up, or um, you can use one of the organic weed killers, you go out with a sheet of cardboard or a piece of cardboard so that you can wrap it around the little tufts so you don't get any on your grass and give it a squirt and that'll burn those out. It is not unusual and sorry, it's a, it is a grass seed that travels. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. Between the birds eating it and pooping it out and the winds blowing it around, it's, it's going to show up. There's no permanent solution to getting rid of it. It sure sounds like that's what you're seeing. Uh, it shows up at this time of the year. It can handle the cold weather. Um, I've seen a little bit of it already in my yard, uh, but that's the only way you're going to get rid of it go over and after this rain would be good because you can grab it and pull it out of the soft soil and pull the whole plant up. In okay, terms sir. of That's, a... Okay, all in, right. That's there is a odd. preventative. My, my front yard is perfectly good, but it's in the backyard only. Strange. That happens. That happens. There is a preventative. You can use what's called corn gluten. It is a pre-emergent. You could have put it down, oh, September or October. This year, you could have gone as late as November. And what it does is it prevents seeds from germinating. So it would have prevented those grasses from showing up. And it turns into a fertilizer. It's an organic version of weed and feed. So it would have fertilized your zoysia. But... Too late now. If the grass is already growing, the pre-emergence not going to do anything for it. The tufts, in other words, there's a lot of dry grass. I've tried to rake it all up. Still has a lot of dry grass. Yeah, it will. 
It will. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. That dry grass can decompose and go back and feed the soil. It's grass is kind of a cannibal. Whatever you cut off, whatever dies and dries out, goes right back into the soil to feed the grass that's there. So that's not a bad thing. Should you rake it out? Well, you can if you want. Um, it, it's not going to harm what's there. So up okay. to you as to whether or not you want to do the work. Okay, sir. I appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. Thank you for the call, Charlie. Yeah, folks, uh, it's early yet. We're not, we're not really looking at turf yet. We are going to have another freeze. When? I don't know. But that's what happens here. February can have the worst cold weather we will see all year. So your grass is going to be dormant, or you're going to have a lot of top kill. The grass leaves are going to die and turn brown. The roots will be fine. They really will. But the brown of the grass, that's not at all unusual. And it's not a problem. Should you be raking it out? And you don't have to. You don't have to. But if you want to, you can go ahead and do the work. It's Raking it out right now is not going to make a huge difference in what happens to your turf this spring. Speaking of spring, please, folks, um, don't start up with your nurseries screaming for tomato starts, okay? Growers have the same problem with the weather that we do. So your nurseries may not have tomatoes for quite a while yet. They'll get there. If you need tomatoes tomorrow, start your own seeds. Seriously, if you're lucky, if we are lucky and the nurse, the growers can keep up, you may see tomato starts. They'll be small little starts showing up around Valentine's Day. That's when we would normally get ours in. And they would disappear because people run in. They just have to add their tomatoes immediately. The weather is going to determine so much more than the availability of the plant. When we have super cold weather, it makes no sense to be planting tomatoes. None. I know that the tomato season here is weird. You have to get stuff in early so that it will produce something before the summer kills it. But this is way too early. You're not going to see them. You can go to your nursery and say, hey, when are you projecting to have these? I guarantee they're looking that up because they're getting asked every day. But do not expect them to have tomato starts yet. If, if they do, it's a freak. 
growers, they have to have warm enough environment in their greenhouses for the tomatoes to grow. And like I've been talking about, I'm, I've got a better solution. I started my tomato plants already by seed. It's so easy to do. And I will have proper sized tomatoes when the weather is correct for planting them. You can wait for your nursery and you can fight the crowds and you can suffer the, well, we got a whole bunch of tomatoes in Friday and guess what? They're all sold out on Saturday. So much easier, start your own seeds. There, there's so many varieties available and uh, you can do it yourself. You also can get a better plant that way because you can raise it. You know exactly what it was treated with, what fertilizer it was given, and you can put it in the ground when you think it's the right size and when the weather is correct. You don't have to worry about going to your nursery, buying their tomatoes that have come in, and looking at the sign that says, hey, we're selling tomatoes, don't put them in the ground yet, it's too cold. So that's your opportunity, and it is not too late. You would like to get with it here before the month is over with, but it is not too late to start your own tomato seeds in your home. You should get a decent-sized tomato, a healthy tomato, about the time the weather is right for you to put it in the ground. So you're, you can encourage your nursery to get your plants. They are at the mercy of the growers. And the growers are at the mercy of the weather, just like we are. Just like we are. They have big greenhouses that they may have ways of keeping them warm, and that gives them an advantage. Doesn't guarantee that they can make tomatoes appear any earlier than we're already getting them. So you can hope for the best. Uh, you can hope for the best. Or, hey, start your own. Pick the variety you like, put the seed in the ground and take care of them so that you have the exact tomato you want for this spring. Folks, this has been Gardening Naturally. Uh, I will see you all again next Saturday at 9 a.m. You all have a good week and hope for some rain. I will talk to you then.